And welcome everybody. This is PMP Weekly episode 153, unless I'm completely mistaken. It is 14th <laughs> of February 2022. And my name is Sasa Yvonne. I'm a program manager in the Microsoft 365 platform areas of the house. And with me as a co-host is Valdek. Who are you? Hi everybody. My name is Valdek Mastekas and I am cloud developer advocate for Microsoft 365 at Microsoft. Excellent. So PMP Weekly is a weekly show where we go through the latest announcements from the Microsoft. Uh, well, we don't go all of them, but we go through a selected set of um, announcements from Microsoft and then also from the community and focused on community posts um, and videos and those which have been tagged with the PMP Weekly so we know that they exist because there's so much good stuff available. Uh, we also have a To Be Clear visitor and today's visitor is Suta Narayan and she's going to join us to have a discussion on her career inside of Microsoft. So she's a senior program manager in and focusing on Power Platform integration in OneDrive and SharePoint. So really cool discussion and looking forward on that. Which I guess is where we're jumping uh, next and then we'll uh, go through the articles and what's happening uh, right after that interview. So let's jump on the interview with Suta. Thank you, Suta, for joining us on Monday morning your time, Monday evening our time uh, for a quick discussion. Um, Immediately, let's start by having you to do a quick interest. Who are you and what do you actually do? Thank you for having me. 154th episode, which is like three years. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, <laughs> doing anything for three years straight is crazy, but this is awesome. Thanks for having me. I am a PM on the SharePoint, Team OneDrive and SharePoint, working specifically on automations and visualizations on SharePoint lists, libraries, and uh, pages, et cetera, which means that features which you know require integrations with the Power Platform, bringing in Power Automate, Power Apps, all of those capabilities into SharePoint, but also some inbuilt features uh, which could drive automations for our IWs and people who don't necessarily need to create a whole entire flow to create you know whatever business process that they want and so on. So I'm a PM looking into the new features into that. Uh, I am, I don't know if I can play the new card anymore i've been here for four months so yep. yeah not so new but yeah almost <laughs> <Hello>. new <laughs> yeah I, I and it's crazy i was just thinking yesterday um that it's almost going to be three years in microsoft and it does not feel so at all because two of those years has been completely in the pandemic and all of us feel like you know not necessarily connected to the office and whatnot, but I've also made like a transition in those three years from IDC, India Microsoft to Redmond Microsoft and so on. So yeah, I've been with Microsoft for almost three years this May, and uh, I started off with Azure DevOps as a product manager again, and there were a few changes going on within the team and so on. So I think about six months into the role, I was looking for something else, and that's how I stumbled upon ODSP. I had this awesome, awesome opportunity of working in uh, Viva Topics and SharePoint Syntax. Uh, at that time, it was called Project Cortex, for those of you who might know that name. But yeah, Viva Topics, I was responsible for building the components, which brings the topics experiences into into all the M365 apps. So the topic card into like Teams and Yammer and Word and all of those things and few other experiences as well. So that was my role in Viva Topics. It's an ongoing mission that the team's continuing to move forward, which I'm cheering from the sidelines. And then there is, uh, I was also working on SharePoint Syntax as uh, uh, as a PM, uh, working specifically on something called Content Assembly, which was launched last month. Yeah, that's uh, live pretty recently. Yep. Yes, so finally. for those of you, yes, finally, <laughs> uh, for those of you who, uh, have syntax want to check it out go check it out it's super cool i'm super excited about it but that's my role within microsoft as a pm um of course i've had like a history before that and whatnot but yeah this is my role right now oh really good uh, now before we go to your microsoft role a bit more detailed can it can you talk about how did you get to microsoft uh, for those who might be interested on oh how would i how would i actually get to uh, so what yeah. is what is required or how does it work? Yeah, I think 
it requires a little bit of history, uh, history of my life, I guess. But uh, I was a computer science engineer, uh, graduated my bachelor's and joined another MNC company in India. Uh, I'm from Bangalore in India, uh, joined as a software developer. And very soon, people around me noticed that I ask a lot of questions and wasn't great to be like a software engineer at that point. I don't say I don't endorse that view, but whatever. So uh, I used to ask, why are we doing this? Why aren't we doing this? Why, how is this built? Like, why shouldn't we building this instead? And isn't that most, more optimal and whatnot? So uh, very soon I realized that I love talking to the customers, talking to business and sales folks and gathering insights. And then saying that even as a software engineer, saying that this isn't what we should be building. This is what we should be building and whatnot. So uh, I moved almost organically. I had amazing leadership team in my in my previous org. And uh, I, I just kept telling them that I want to be more customer facing. I want to ask more whys and define what we should do and all of that. So uh, I moved sort of into a business analyst role where I could shadow like PMs on the team and so on. Uh, and I was sitting in India and the org was structured such that you didn't necessarily have PMs in India, it was almost like a development site. And, you know, PMs were sitting either in the US or some other part of the globe uh, where they could interact with customers more. So it took a lot of um, staying up late and attending calls that you didn't really have to attend for my role and whatnot. So did all of that, uh, got into a business analyst role. That actually uh, helped me build a relationship with a lot of our customers and partners, uh, ISVs and so on. And um, there was a workshop which just so happened happened in India. And they said, hey, do you want to come? Like, again, I had an awesome mentor. Uh, my director said, do you want to come? And I, I did go to, I was like, yeah, absolutely. Business trips pay and I get to learn. This is great. So I'm going. So I did. And... <laughs> There was a problem that they were discussing. And just because I knew like the technical part of what we have in the database and what type of data and insights we can derive out, out of it and so on, I put up my hand and I was like this kid in the room saying, I think I can solve this problem for you. And uh, my director was like, are you sure? Are you sure you can do that? And they were talking about this big whatever problems for all of our partners and whatnot. So it's like, yeah, I think I can give it a shot. So I got... Myself and an intern that I was mentoring, I I was myself very early in the career, but like I had an intern who believed in me and said, do you want to be my mentor? So I was mentoring him and whatnot. So yeah, uh, I it was me and the intern working on this prototype of a product and for, for solving, you know, providing insights around sales and customer data and whatnot for for the company that I was working on so that so that just became a hit that prototype became a hit and we got funding at that point we get funding from business so we got funding and that team grew from just me and the intern to like 20 people um, and that's what led me uh, th that led me to move from India to San Francisco this is my first trip you know, across the pond and <laughs> relocating to another country and whatnot. So I did that just because we had to put together a team there as well. It, yeah. uh, the team in the org just worked that it was 24-7. You had someone in India, you had someone in the US, you had someone in Europe, you know, taking care of it and whatnot. So it's putting together a team there uh, in the US. All of this my title still, uh, still said software engineer. Uh, that's what it was. But then I'd organically moved into this business analyst role and then into a product management role uh, within, you know, within the organization. Um, and eventually it did change completely into a product management role. It, it went from, hey, bring coffee, code, do QA testing, do our architectural design of the product to, hey, focus on talking to business, which was awesome. And then when I got to do that uh, is when I realized that this is my calling. Product management is what I wanted to do and be, and that's what I've been looking for. And I didn't have a name for it until then, but then I realized that's what it was. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that happened and um, uh, worked there for, I think, uh, worked in San Francisco for about a year or so. Uh, and then 
I wanted to do something different. There was al- always this bug in my head about working in a startup that I've uh, uh, I've had no again all of this straight out of college. So this is the only experience I'd had. So I was very concerned about if I'm limiting myself to just this experience and I my worldview is limited to how this org, which was extremely nice to me, is that the right thing and so on. So I wanted to come back, work in a startup. So left my visa and went back to India, uh, worked in a startup for about a few months, like four, four, five months or so, which was okay. I, I mean, I liked it, but it, it wasn't necessarily what I was hoping for and I wanted to make a change and whatnot. But that's when Microsoft reached out. Someone from Microsoft out of the blue got into my Gmail and said, hey, we noticed your LinkedIn. Do you want to talk? And I did. And and amazing, amazing set of leaders in Microsoft uh, spoke to them and got super excited, uh, got flown out to like Hyderabad, which is where Microsoft uh, HQ in India is located. So when there, did my interview, it all went great. By the night, like by the time I was sitting in the airport trying to come back to Bangalore, my home, I got the news that I got it. And uh, I had to have this hard conversation. Yeah, that doesn't typically go that fast, by the way. I know, exactly. (laughs) I must have had like a good relationship with the recruiter or something because he gave me like a personal call on on the on my number saying, hey, I have some good news. Keep it to yourself because it's not official yet. But I can see that you got it like on the on the thing on the site and whatnot. So got it. and then I had to have this hard conversation with the CPO of the startup saying, remember, you know, I've always been telling you that I love Microsoft. I got an offer, so I'm going to go. And he was like, you know, do you? I've Throughout, I think the one common element I've had through my career is amazing leaders uh, who've always recognized what I've wanted to do and been supportive. So, yeah, he said, go, wish took that guilt off a little bit, I guess, but uh, that's how Microsoft happened. Long yeah. story, took about <laughs> way too long, but yeah, that's my No, story. no, no, that's actually kind of interesting, uh, for sure. So really, really cool as well. So cool to hear the transitions and also now, if you have any tips for anybody how to make their LinkedIn profile look good, you should probably share them. So <laughs> if that wasn't, that one was the, the trick, so. You know, I would say, Put your heart into it. Uh, yeah. You'll see my resume, my LinkedIn, maybe oversharing a little bit. I have this thing column in my resume which says my superpowers. And that's literally what I consider are my superpowers and so on. So if you if you reflect in your LinkedIn, and I think most of us are great personalities, most of us are nice people that people would want to talk to and so on. If you, that reflects, I think people will reach out. That's yep. like, that's why, don't make it like a robo wrote, right? Like yep. wrote your resume and so on, so yep. yeah. <laughs> And it's really, really not about promoting every single thing and being the best of the world. No, 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 no. that's not what it is. So um, it's the positive signs and and being sharing enough details for sure. So now as part of then transitioning on Microsoft, can can you talk about a bit on the, kind of out of curiosity for me, any differences between the Azure DevOps and ODSP? So any any kind of ODSP referring to OneDrive SharePoint. Um, yeah. So because I'm actually there. And we are in the yeah. same team, by the way, with Sutas, so yeah. those who do not know. So, but um, any, what's kind of the differences between the organization? Because that's the two main different side of the engineering. Yeah, I think the one big thing I'll say is uh, in Azure DevOps, uh, which is a good thing, we use a whole lot of Azure DevOps processes, which means a sprint is a sprint. Like sprint is two weeks. Yeah. Everything goes into the Kanban board uh, or whatever type of board you're using for your Agile. There's a sprint meeting every single day. There's a sprint planning on day one of the sprint, sprint grooming sessions, all of those things and so on. I do think in ODSP, it's a li- little bit more ad hoc. It's almost like, hey, we know what's coming up. And here's a green light review doc that gets sent out at any time. And, you know, 
that goes yep. through and gets picked up. And we do like a planning session, I think quarterly or semester planning and so on. So I think that's one big transition that I had to get my head around that uh, uh, even now, I think I write all my specs into epics and features and uh, all of those. That's not, even not I, a passing, not a passing there. <laughs> I don't think anyone reads it. Everyone's like, yeah, all of this is good. Can you put it into your doc and send it to me? So, yeah, I think that's one big change. Uh, you know, culturally, something that was surprising for me, Microsoft versus outside, was just how transparent the leadership has been. I think ODSP is so much more transparent than any other org I've ever seen. Uh, just about how much... Um, how almost vulnerable the leadership team is and how uh, it's all us figuring it out together and you have a voice and you have an opinion and uh, uh, you can reach out to like whoever, your CVP, and tell them that this is your opinion and you'll be heard. Uh, and yeah, the, I've I've just reached out to CVP like from from India and said, hey, I saw that you are available for lunch. Do you want to like do a virtual lunch and stuff like that? So yeah, it's uh, it that is very different. I don't think that's that's I don't know enough, but uh, I it's surprising for me that it's that approachable and that transparent yeah. and stuff, which is awesome. Cool, it is right. And I guess another thing is that like. I've been around for a bit over a year at Microsoft. It's like I'm yet to hear my first no. Like when when you ask some somebody for help or advice or whatever, it's like I'm yet to hear my first no. Yeah. Like that that aspect of it, I think I think that resonates a lot with what you said about reaching out to somebody for lunch. It's like somebody yeah. you don't know, right? Yeah, absolutely. I uh I'm I haven't met like our CEO yet, but I'm pretty sure I can do that. Like if I wanted to, right? Be in the right place and so on. Not ping him on Teams. Uh, I hope no one picks him on Teams. But, uh, just well, but that is exactly the, the trick, right? Because everybody thinks that 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 everybody else does that. No one does, and then he is there by himself. Like no one's asking yeah, me. Knows. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And then you are the only person. Like yes, finally, sure, let's meet. <laughs> Maybe today is a good day to sing Satya then. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> good. Now, can you can you also talk about it? Uh, you've been around in in San Francisco, moving back to India, and then moving to Redmond. Now, what, what's the cultural impact? So, any any kind of cultural shocks related on the country level? Because when people are kind of planning to move, there's always the fear of can this be done? Is this is there a lot of things to be taken care of? Is it hard? Yeah, I've, I mean, I had very little strings uh, attached. So I basically packed my bag, bags and moved both times. Uh, but the one big thing I noticed both in my first time and now is uh, just how open the career conversations are. Uh, like uh, early in my career, uh, I've had people pull me aside and say that, hey, don't speak so much about growth, like about your growth, right? Uh, uh, promo was almost a taboo word. Saying that I want to work in another country was a taboo word and whatnot. Of course, I still yep. had amazing leaders, but that that was almost the sentiment. And that's how, like early in career, just getting into corporate life, that's, the, that's what is put in your head right? You know yeah. nothing mm -hmm. and people around you are making you, molding you into something. And this is what went into my mind. And I, I still feel somehow I have those restrictions and limitations around, can I talk about my career? Can I talk about what I want uh, and mm -hmm. say that this is what has to happen and i come here both both the times san francisco uh and now in seattle um i feel like early in careers are i want to go rule the world and you as my leader is supposed to tell me how right that's <laughs> yes that's, absolutely <laughs> yeah that but that's, attitude. that's a good attitude for sure and and yeah. the, the fact that people are encouraging that is really awesome because there is no limitations. It's just a matter yeah. of what do you want to do and where's the how much you're willing to work for it yep. um, in in real world. Yeah. Now, well, but I guess maybe also also another part to is like in the past I worked at companies that were like nowhere near close at Microsoft, like the size, right? And for some reason, like when I would 
leave the job, I always had this feeling of a guilt, like I'm leaving you. Yeah. Like I'm I'm going to do something else. Whereas here at Microsoft, like you see people going moving around a I lot. Like some people yeah, change exactly. And everybody's like, Yeah, cool. Like as you said, like you do you. Like there's no like people even encourage like find whatever makes you tick yep. and go do that. And when anything would change, find another thing that makes you tick now and do that, right? So it's like it's like a totally opposite. And if you're not used to that, you're looking like, like Hey, am I allowed to talk about me? Is yeah. that okay? Like, am I, can I move? Like, yeah, sure. Like, definitely do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think the sense of you getting happiness from work is, uh, is I think, prevalent right now everywhere. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a very American concept or whatever, but I can see that that people want you to feel happy and energized coming yeah. into work. And it's not just something that you do for money and it's something yeah. that it's a career and you want to feel proud of what you're putting together for end of your life and whatnot. So, yeah. That's good. Now we we just got a five minute reminder on the on the teams, and thank you yep. teams for that. That that is actually a great feature. Now there's two questions what I wanted to ask. So first of all, now that we talk about your career ambitions, kind of a bit briefly, can you talk about what do you actually do on a day to day basis? So what do you do right now? And then how we're gonna evolve that to be the She's best a thing guest in the world on a podcast? <laughs> oh, that's right true. Now. Thank you, Wilder. Thanks for clarifying. <laughs> that is the that's, right now moment. <laughs> that's just my side hustle, being like a celebrity and whatnot, but. <laughs> <laughs> there <you go. laughs> uh, yeah, let me let me speak about that. So uh, I'm a product manager. What that means is uh, I think part of my time is spent talking to customers. This can be internal or external customers and uh, focused on a specific problem area. Well, so I'm focused on how do we build automations and visualizations for SharePoint capabilities, which will make SharePoint capabilities like list libraries, pages, et cetera, more useful for our customers. Yep. So part of it is about identifying the problem uh, within the problem space that I have by talking to customers and you know looking at com- competition, looking at where the market is heading, futuristic thinking of what might actually come in uh, and should we be doing RPA, like uh, whatever, right? Think about all of those things. Uh, Part of uh, my time is about solving for existing problems that have been identified. So say we've found that approval processes are extremely difficult to build. So how do I actually solve for it, solve for the process? What what can lists do? What can libraries do? How is it different from a list and a library? What other capabilities exist within Microsoft and how can we bring this together instead of us all every team within Microsoft going and building a feature on their own and so on. So a whole lot of partnerships and how do we bring these solutions together. Uh, Part of my time is also working with the engineers, which I absolutely love doing because uh, I was an engineer and whatnot. So it's about, um, hey, this is the solution we have. And of course, designers. So this is the solution we have. How do we bring the best experience uh, and uh, which, which of course, solves all of the functionality, which has been prioritized and all of those things put uh, put in the roadmap and all of that. So how do we work with designers and engineers to build this capability, you know, for end-to-end? And how do we get it to our customers? There's a little bit of talking to, like, PMMs and marketing it and all of that. Yep. But I think that's my lesser than everything else that I do, but uh, solving problems and changing the world is what I do. Uh, <laughs> but that is yeah, actually a good I, way of thinking. There's changing the world, positive. Yeah. So, so that's a great description on the PM role. So, <laughs> what do we do? Yeah. We change the world for positive. Yes. So. <laughs> Hundred percent, all the time. Uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of what I do. Uh, I think there are some very very exciting features that. I've been told I'm not allowed to speak about, uh, yeah. in, uh, which not is coming it. up, <laughs> which is coming up into uh, OneDrive and SharePoint, uh, specifically in the automation and visualization uh, domain on list libraries and so on. So you'll all be kept posted on when we are ready to share them. So yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And then the, the final question, ah, there, there would be so much to talk about, actually. There's so much, so much to actually question, asking questions. But also, you're a woman in IT, and that's one topic which we always want to touch and have a discussion on. Can you talk about, from your perspective, um, what has helped you and, and kind of a, how, how the IT world or industry should be evolving itself 
to make it yeah. easier for other women. Because, of course, we want to have a 50-50 uh, women and men uh, in this industry. It makes no sense that we wouldn't. So, yeah. any thoughts on that? I I mean, it's I have like, what, 90 seconds left, but I don't think that can cover <laughs> it. But uh, let's try. <laughs> so, when I joined early in career, I uh, recognized I come from a, law, uh, from a place of privilege. So, I was uh, raised by a strong, independent, single woman where, you know, you earning and you being the most successful means that you win the bread you know, for your for your uh, uh, family and uh, being successful is just like natural. You have to do it. You have to get into tech or you have to get into whatever you want. Doesn't matter whether it's tech or not, but do do what you love and be good at it and work hard and all of those things. So early in career, I figured that, hey, what, you know, women and I'll just treat me like I'm no different, right? Which is true, which is how it should be. But yeah. what I didn't realize as I grew and my worldview increased and like expanded and whatnot, uh, I realized that um, when I looked up to women leaders, they had very much fewer leaders to look up to around certain types of problems or certain types of things that uh, uh, were limiting them. Like, uh, for example, if I want to... Uh, think about being like a great product manager. I have like a funnel of product managers that I can look up to in different stages and say, oh, I see what this person did. I can learn from them and I can do that. But as women leaders, uh, there were a lot less people that you could you could look at and look at the journey that they went to and say that, okay, that's what I want to do. And that's how this, this is how I could solve this problem and so on. So I, I, realize that this uh, uh, amount of mentorship or amount of people like a network that you can connect to is much, much lesser uh, for at least women leaders. I know that's increasing now, which is what it should be and whatnot. Uh, But yeah, that's one thing. So the one thing that I tell like folks, and I, I think this should become cultural, is constantly look for and find people you look up to. It doesn't have to be one person. Um, I I look up to the way Vesa conducts like his all of his meetings and uh, yeah, you like right there. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> uh, so it doesn't have to be one person. It doesn't have to be an ideal person because no one's perfect. Like even if you're looking up to Elon Musk, he has his flaws, right? So um, and it doesn't have to be a man or a woman. Uh, just find portions of things that's perfect in someone and reach out to them and say, hey, I think you do such a great job in this. Just appreciate them. When the time comes that you have to do something similar, uh, you say, hey, you know, I think you do a great job in this. I'm going to do it. Do you want to like give me any tips? Do you have any tips for me and whatnot? So building that network should become almost cultural for me. No one told this to me when I was, uh, when I was you know, starting off in my career. Uh, they just say network. Uh, yeah. which almost felt like a I, taboo word. Like, what do you mean by network? Drinks after work? Is that what it means and whatnot? <laughs> but <yeah>. network <laughs> basically means people you can learn from, at least for me. So I think yeah. that's the biggest, biggest thing that I'll say for anyone who's coming into uh, tech, especially women, find people that uh, uh, you think does something really well. Go talk to them, say hi. No one's going to say no to the point that you were making all that. Like very few people in the industry say no for anything. Actually, if you tell them that you need advice, they'll be happy to provide that. So I think that's that. Uh, I just say one more thing. Um, Learn to learn, like train your brain to learn, because the biggest skill set that you can have is not coding. It's not specking it's not designing it's this ability to learn according to me because the industry is changing uh say you want to become an actor tomorrow you can do it as long as you you have the ability to learn to become one right so yeah that's the other thing and the third thing i'm sorry no no rush no no (laughs) (laughs) yeah i just i think this is super important for me uh my husband, even today, Krish, uh, he values uh, he values me like what what uh, as in 
he thinks that the value of my opinion and how much i should be paid etc is higher than what i put for for my opinion and how much i'm worth and like when i'm negotiating in a job and so on so he'd be like you should be paid x i'll be like oh, i think only i should only be paid x divided by 2 i think this is very very prevalent in women uh just know the value of you your opinion uh and lean in right like ask ask for what you what you deserve and uh, if you truly deserve it i think people would be more than happy to give it but you have to ask so yeah, yeah that's my yeah. thing courage and and yes absolutely that's really good really really good thank you sudhan that one and there would be so cool to continue this discussion yeah. uh, we'll catch you back on the show <laughs> next we'll catch time. you back on the show next time uh, for another one um for few months or whatever we'll see whenever this, the, the new features are out we can talk about the yes. new features as well oh yeah, yeah. thank you for joining really awesome discussion um and thank great you so much for having me more about you absolutely yeah. It was so much fun. Thanks. <laughs> thank Bye. you. Bye. Bye. We'll be in touch. Thank you. Cool. So thank you, Sutra, one more time, and probably fifth time as we're thanking you. But really, really cool discussion, and it's it's it's. And I would say that it's interesting always to hear about the, the let's say cultural differences as you're moving from India to US or any other country, and and the countries because there's there's a lot of the moving across the countries and moving. based on your career and everything else it's not just about technology it's also about what's actually the, the new rules and laws and things what you need to follow and and all of that extra hassle so which is one thing when i'm trying to avoid the situation when i'm forced to move <laughs> this is exactly why you will not move there yeah, you go exactly. problem solved exactly these are the options <laughs> but uh, let's jump on the uh, on the articles of this week uh, so let me share my screen and start with the articles from Microsoft uh, side of the house and then moving on to the community side and and I guess we have one video this time um on which we will go through as well now first of all we had a cool blog post uh, in the Microsoft Teams uh, platform side platform Microsoft Teams uh, blog related on how we have improved the Microsoft Teams performance and reduced the power consumption in meetings by up to 50% and I think actually this is kind of an interesting reminder on the amount of uh, electricity and and uh, amount of the resources of the world as part of the work what we do so these kind of um, optimizations are actually really 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 cool because then we're more cost efficient more energy free more eco friendly um, and it's one of those things where why didn't you actually immediately do that well again these things are not super super easy uh, so you need to ship things and then you need to optimize and then all of that stuff but it's really cool to see the the improvements related on uh, settings and and maybe at some point who knows i'm just thinking out loud maybe we should have a lower quality settings in teams which you can select to then reduce the amount of energy being used in the cpu and oh we already stuff. do that turn a video Uh, yes, we could actually plug the video. That's a fair <laughs> point. Good point. Good point. But even on the video stream, you would be able to control uh, the quality of the stream, and then that reduces the required performance and all of that. So interesting um, perspective, those um, absolutely. So it, it's kind of a really, really important piece of uh, of nowadays in the company's work that they take these kind of things into account. So at least there's an option to optimize things. But really cool. Uh, 50% improvement. That's a significant number. Now we also yes. had a new learning module. You want to talk about this one a bit, Baldek? Correct. So we launched the other day a new learn module that explains how you can build meeting apps for Microsoft Teams. Right. So a while back we launched the ability to show apps along a meeting, so you don't need to switch back and forth between meeting and an app. But instead, you can have the meeting embedded already as a part of the meeting experience. And the module that we have launched basically explains what you can do, how do you go about it, what are the prerequisites, and shows uh, exercises that include a hands-on experience how you can build these apps. So we would yep. definitely en- encourage you to give it a try, test drive it, and we'd love to hear what do you think about it, what ideas you have, what would you like to build. Is there anything missing? Is there anything that you would like to be able to do more? Let us know. Yeah, and this is actually so. So it's really cool to have a one hour and four minutes, relatively short um, time allocation to understand the basics, and that's that's actually the beauty of a lot of these modules that they're not like you have to do eight hours of work. No, 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 no. Just 
concentrate one hour and then you are already well ahead of understanding the basic of the functionality which is very very cool yeah now I actually had a blog post uh, in the SharePoint blog related on the most used SharePoint framework solutions in the store. Um, it's uh, in January 2022, um, and we're basically listing the most widely used IntiGraph widgets uh, have been the most widely used now for many, many months. Um, this kind of a confusing, a bit of a confusing piece because um, the SharePoint store is not just about SharePoint, it's also about Viva connection, um, but until we will get all of this sorted out in the internal alignment, um, for now you can acquire uh, Viva connection, mobile and desktop experiences also from a SharePoint store. So, but a lot of a lot of innovation, a lot of new features coming up on that side as well. So really cool to see the innovation in there. Now let's actually then do this craft one first. So uh, from Brian. Yes, we have a new article from Ryan from the Graph CPX team, which is the team that closely engages with some of the biggest customers who use the Microsoft Graph and who build on Microsoft 365. And in his article, Brian explains how you can use Microsoft Search to query, for example, only for files or folders, right? So he, yep. he explains how you can build the query to basically narrow down or control the results that you will get. There's some familiar uh, things here, like I can recognize that uh, immediately because of the historical. <laughs> it's the KQL, the keyword query language, I guess. Yeah. It's the same format, yeah. Yeah, and uh, the 0x0101, uh, so uh, it is the document like it's, which is being defined in the, over there, but that has a really long, decades-long, uh, let's oh, say, Oh, yeah, with the coding. whole inheritance so, of content exactly. types yeah, <laughs> exactly. yeah, in SharePoint, yes. <laughs> uh, luckily, we don't need to talk about those things anymore that much, so some things did. are evolving. <laughs> yes, we did. Yes, once again, oh, we need to stop doing that. Now, on the modern side of the house, so there's a SharePoint framework, 1.14 release candidate, is out from last week as well uh, with updates to Viva Connection, Microsoft Teams, and SharePoint. Um, of course, the, the main focus area on the SharePoint framework uh, for sure is in Viva Connection and of course in Microsoft Teams, enough forgetting about SharePoint because SharePoint is a big piece of behind of the scenes uh, services. And there's a lot of, lot of customers who are still building portals and absolutely using portals and there's nothing wrong with doing that. But um, as the new, let's say, shiny ones on Viva Connection and Microsoft Teams, uh, there's obviously a lot of investments on that side as well. Um, maybe one thing to call out, we talked about this one in the past as well, but really cool things related on Viva mobile experiences is that we will we are introducing now the local based APIs and all of native APIs for the mobile. So that means that you can then start targeting content and functionalities and features inside of the adaptive card extensions with SPFX using the location. So huh. That's you can, cool. for example, a simple example, of course, not super, let's say, business-oriented, but based on your location, you can detect the office and then show the next uh, lunch menu, which is quite typical request uh, for people to know what is, what is on the lunch menu in the restaurant today in the office. So, but automatically doing the detection. Thing. Yeah, and, it, and I don't know if it goes as far that it can, like, imagine that you are in an office building and it can tell on which floor you are, like, because, like, it would be easy thing to tell the wing, like, west yep. or north or whatever, and then yep. allow you to, for, for example, pick a seat based on that, but it can also see how high you are, floor two, three, four, and five. Yeah. Yeah. That would be even better, right? I, I guess it's that comes back on the native mobile location exactly. information which the devices are providing for us. And and I guess coming back on a historical thing, I, it wasn't like a few years back, like five years ago, whenever it was Google, well, Google was doing the Google map pictures and everything else, uh, sorry, mapping mm -hmm. on the on the streets. And then they were scanning the Wi-Fi networks, right? Because that was precisely for that reason, so that they can actually then more precisely allocate where you are from a location perspective. Now... I don't know about the flooring again still, but Elevation, uh, yeah, still. Yeah, yeah. so it, it's an interesting I mean, thing. If you are in this space that many meters above the level of the sea or, or whatever, then you need to be at, at floor X, yeah, given the true. floor is that, yeah. That's true, yeah. But anyway, so cool, cool. It is cool an interesting case, yes. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Now, the next one uh, is for client's secret exploration. Exactly. So when you build apps, like if your app needs app-only access, you have two ways to go about it. You either attach to it a certificate or a secret. And in the past, secret was a really great way, convenient way, because you could set it to 
a never expiring value, right? Yeah. So you could say like, yes, that thing will never expire. It will work forever. Now, the problem is that if somebody would go around it, like they would get access and it would never expire, yeah. which is why in April 2021 and Microsoft, we say like, no, that will no longer be an option. And now when you create a secret, it can be a maximum of two years, right? Um, yeah, so that will be basically the longest possible value for you to create a secret. So yep. that's something for you to take in into account um, when you build these apps. Yep, makes perfect sense. And and I guess the one thing what we as an enterprise is or uh, have to learn to do is to deal with the expiration. So it's like SSL certification expires and, and that just has to be a process of doing this stuff and put it in the whatever reminders and then on somebody's email or notification that you need to go and renew. And then that person leaves the there. company and exactly, who gets the reminder. Exactly, exactly. That's a classic, classic, super classic challenge for sure. So did you actually check the certification of your CSSL? No, what, where, who? What? Yeah, DNS, expiring certs, expiring yep. secrets. There will be another yep. one, like, like exactly. three reasons exactly. why things break. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Now, Ica Boss had a good blog post, and this is a new weekly series uh, going live on 8 a.m. Pacific time on every single Tuesday, which is a learn from the community. Uh, so, and this one was React App uh, and an Azure QA bot, the centralized learning resources. And it, I guess it was London, yeah, University of College London, um, basically where they're collecting the information more easily available for the students. And, and they, they have a nice, I guess it was a one hour video where they walk through the solution and its advantages and technologies and learnings and all of that stuff. So really, really cool uh, discussion for sure. And great way of learning the art of possible uh, in the in the platform. So really great stuff. Next one in the community blog side. Exactly. So it's a community blog from Tomas, and it's about how you can show and hide content in adaptive cards. So maybe you didn't know, but adaptive cards are this great way to have Predefined UI that works great ac across mobile, desktop, different experiences where you don't need to worry about CSS and making it pixel perfect and ensuring that it works. Like, it just works. What is also great is that apparently you have the option to control when you show things. So it's not just a flat UI that is always the same. You can yep. adapt it to different interactions on a screen to choose when which elements will be visible to user and this article goes exactly about that right so it explains you what different options you have how do you go about it and how you can tweak and choose which elements to show when yep really very good good stuff from thomas and then we had another blog post on the on the community side from damian bird uh comparing two arrays with without an apply to each so basically how do we do power automated comparison of two arrays and then dealing with those uh, array outputs um, and then working forward on that. So good, good, good tips and guidance on, on how I would be actually doing that kind of a, a logist, logistics and mapping between the arrays and then moving forward on execution. So thank you, Damian, on that one. Then we have something from Mark Anderson. Yes, we have a new article from Mark Anderson, our community MVP, about a use case that they had the other day where they wanted to change the URL of a site, SharePoint site, attached to a Teams team. And what they saw first is that the URL broke. Like they couldn't, in Teams, they couldn't see any files and they couldn't also find any way to really do anything about it. But then apparently over time, the URL would heal itself. So they didn't need to do anything. Teams would start showing files eventually, right? So apparently there is some job going on in the background in that many minutes or hours, right? That is going to adjust it by itself. And yep. that isn't um, unusual case, right? Because like as your collaboration environment evolves, you might want to rename things to make them easier to find, lo more logical to follow. And sure, like yep. you can make an argument that, well, who cares about URLs? Well, some people do. And in that case, you want it to True. correspond to the thing you, you're seeing on a screen. And in that case, when you change it, apparently you don't need to worry about people not being able to find the files. They will be able to do it eventually by itself. Yep. 
just takes time. So it is actually cool to have self-healing features and, and functionality. So safety net behind of the scenes, which is detecting those things and fixing things. So like it should be actually. So if we can adjust something from an API perspective, you should not be able to break your uh, environment because that's just wrong. So. Now, uh, we also had a uh, article from Appy, uh, which migrate plan, uh, planner plans to list uh, using the CLI for Microsoft 365. So CLI Microsoft 365 to connect to the planner and then uh, migrate that to be part of a Microsoft list, so which is nowadays capable of doing right magical things. So really, really cool uh, functionalities and experiences across the JSON level extensibility, which we'll see a Great sample, by the way, a bit later on the on the coverage. But uh, Abby talks about moving existing planner tasks then to the list for tracking. Um, because why not? That is certainly an option as well. So, and a big script uh, to be embedded here as well. But thank you, Abby, on that one. Now, some share paints. Yes. Do we have an article from Peter Feinstra about how you can create a custom connector in Power Plan? Platform, right? And the first, like, like, what is a connector? A connector gives you the ability to connect your Power App or a Flow to an API and do it in a convenient way rather than trying to do an HTTP call to get a request and then get a JSON blob and need to operate on that, right? So a connector makes it easier because it gives you access to objects and it also does auth. Right. And Peter goes through the different steps, what is involved, how do you go about it, and so forth and so on. So yeah. if you need to connect to an API that doesn't have a connector, this article is a great place to start and learn more about it. Absolutely. And, and he's referencing also the independent publisher program, uh, which is a great program uh, run by Natalie. Uh, and, and basically, idea here is that you are able to then submit your samples to Power Platform as an independent publisher provider. So your API or your connectors can be exposed in the Power Platform UX if the customers are choosing to, to show those options available. And that's actually really, really cool. So the, the open source community provided connectors are natively exposed as part of the Microsoft uh, product, which is absolutely uh, brilliant. Good. And uh, then we had a, a blog post from Leon Armstrong related on SharePoint Syntax. So pre-built and pre-trained models now available for invoices and recipients. So SharePoint Syntaxes are artificial intelligence for document management. So it's basically advanced content management services, for example, for detecting uh, content and detecting information like, for example, the the, the fields and content around the invoices. And, and there's some predefined uh, content uh, and rules uh, related, uh, related, for example, invoices and recipients to be able to then start from, and then you can start teaching the artificial intelligence based on your country and your receipts and your invoices, how to detect the relevant information. But really, really cool stuff. Thank you, Leon, on that. Then we have something really cool also, which is actually happening later today as we're recording this on 14th of February. Exactly. So we are expecting a new major version of PNP.js. And if you don't know what it is, PNP.js is probably the most popular Fluent API style JavaScript SDK for SharePoint APIs. Yep. Right? You can use it in Node projects. You can use it in TypeScript apps, JavaScript web apps, anything JavaScript related. That API, that SDK is the way to go to connect to SharePoint APIs. And it makes it really super easy. And in V3, we will see some really cool improvements. So stay tuned for the release and announcement. Yeah, and it's super, super optimized as well, the 3.0 version. So you can really, really minimize uh, the package sizes and all of that. Um, and I'm just realizing this one in here, which is which is pretty cool. So hashtag Vesa. Vesa. See? <laughs> yeah. So, That's pretty wow. random. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hashtag Steve. <laughs> I've... Just to be clear, I do not follow up on hashtag Vesa uh, in Twitter. Now, uh, we also had you a should. from <laughs> Fabio, uh, we had a adaptive card host um, uh, new control 
for the BMP SPFX controls React uh, package. And this is an open source package where basically there's a massive amount of individual controls uh, for React uh, experiences. And this is really, really, really cool implementation. So basically, you can start using any adaptive card uh, definitions to render your UX. And it automatically detects and, and recognizes also the themes and if it's in teams and then adjust the, the theming and experiences based on that. So really, really cool uh, experiences. So you again, you don't have to worry about the UX. You just define this is the UX what I uh, want you to render. And then the, the control takes care of it using adaptive card definition. So really, really cool stuff. Cool. Um, and awesome to see the, the step forward in here. Now, we're looking into doing something similar sooner or later in the product natively. Um, who knows? It might be actually even based on this ah. uh, thinking here. Hmm. So anyway, hmm, interesting. Now, then we have this one related on list formatting and what can be done in Microsoft Lists, which is Exactly. So looking just at the screen, right? So currently on the screen, we're showing animated GIF of the Wordle-like game, right? And if you haven't um, heard that, Wordle is the game where you are being asked to guess a five-letter word, and then the game tells you if you found the letter in the right place, if you found a letter but on the wrong place, and so forth and so on. And here we're looking at an example that looks just like, like the game, but is built using JSON on top of SharePoint list, which is like, how on <laughs> earth do you even go about how exactly how does that work? How do you it's a list? It's a list, and then it just like you have all the interaction, the same hints, the same experience, guesses, and on top yeah. of a list. Like, that yeah. is insane. That's, now I can imagine if you have a look on the JSON file in here that it's not. Oh yeah, of short. course. It's on the line ten, <laughs> like you can see exactly where it's like, no. Yeah, it's it, we're looking it's, at how many lines of code, like let's see how the, how, the, how this JSON. goes. Uh, the, 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 Seven hundred and ninety two lines. Yeah. Yeah. So. But it's no code. Well, <laughs> well, yes, you're right because there's no way for you to put a breakpoint on it. You're Correct. right. Correct. <laughs> if that's the definition of code, but it's it's well, apparently. <laughs> wow. But anyway, so super cool stuff. It from is Tetsu, really cool. Tetsu, uh, it's just and and Tetsuan Kabahara is is basically showing all of the let's say really the art of possible and pushing this the lists to a completely new level. Yeah. So. Thank you, Deshuan. Oh, really, really cool stuff and, and awesome examples. And then as the final uh, uh, post or a video, uh, we had the Microsoft uh, from <laughs> Paolo. So episode 193 in his Piazza's Tech Bytes, which is creating OneNote pages with Microsoft Craft. So how do we do that? Uh, classic scenario, how would I actually enable this kind of thing? So it's great to have a five-minute video showing how to get started on, on actually creating then the OneNote the actual OneNote, what is it? What is it called? OneNote, OneNote, no, OneNote notebook, notebook, exactly, and then pages inside of it and all of that. So, so really, really cool stuff. Thank you, Paolo, on that one. Cool. That's it for this week. That is that 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 is it. That is it. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's it for now. Then uh, let's. Uh, close up for this week and we'll come up with the next BMP Weekly within a week. Please remember hashtag BMP Weekly in the Twitter if you are in Twitter and, and pushing out updates there. That will help us on detecting cool articles and so we can cover them in this show. But other than that, thank you, Waldek, for joining once again. Thank you, Vesa. Good to have you here. So, <laughs> and thank you, Sutha. The whole week. <laughs> and thank you, Sutha, for joining us today. So, thanks, everybody. And please, please, please keep the feedback coming. Uh, if there are specific people you would like to see in this show, uh, let us know uh, and we'll see what we can do with that. But thanks, everybody. We'll be back in a week. Bye bye. Bye.